episode 57 of the Metro Fan TV Rundown, coming to you live for the first time in both 2022 and the Year of the Tiger. Gong si everybody. Lens, Fernando, and Juan. That's right, the Unholy Trinity are back at it again, ready to talk about everything that's inspired over the last two months. We last spoke around just before Christmas, and now we're coming back right after Chinese New Year. How are you, gents? Good. Alive, barely, good. <laughs> Is Just this exciting. a fatherhood thing? Like it's a fatherhood. Absolutely. <laughs> and what are you, Mr. Escalante? How are you? Uh, doing well, Lens. Excited, excited for the season now that I've seen, I, I have gazed upon the mantle we shall be wearing this season. <laughs> I mean, those kids look really fucking good, don't they? I gotta say. I mean, uh, they've kind of outdone themselves with this one. Like, big fan yeah. of that monochrome. Uh, big fan of that monochrome sponsor, especially. Like, I yes. think uh, everything that has been transpiring in kit DMs over the last like five years finally happened, right? <laughs> yeah. Monochrome sponsor and a red background. I think that's gonna sell like hotcakes. Yeah. I might actually buy a kit this year because of it. Just wear, we're back to wearing red like we're supposed to. Yep. Yeah. And the leak is uh, a replica. So apparently the um, the authentic is supposed to be, uh, the checkered look is supposed to be a bit more prominent. Yeah. Right? Just the design is supposed to look a little, uh, a little cleaner. Yeah. I mean, and probably like a little extra things like probably we'll get like a little bands around uh, on, uh, what do you call it? The cuffs. Some nice like white piping on it, man. Yeah. The accents, right? Yeah. yeah. We're gonna, hey guys, remember love, fight, passion, glory. <laughs> For fuck's sake, get this when glitch they... out of here. Yeah, <laughs> look, look, man. We're... I don't know. I, the last time we had a full red kit, well, a red kit and a white kit was 2018. Yes, the same. And as someone pointed out to me on Twitter, in 2017, we just made it into the playoffs. We took the last playoff spot, just like 2021. You know, my dudes, I just like to think of it as nature correcting itself finally, right? Like (laughs) the the timeline's finally gotten back on track. Uh, (laughs) We, 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 I think uh, ever since like I ate a, ate a Popeye's chicken sandwich the other week, I think the timeline recorrected itself back into the good timeline because I think uh, in that time frame, (laughs) we've had a few bunch of rumors coming in. Tom Edwards resigning, leukemia sound away, and now we have a red kit for 2022. That's all I'm saying, boys. Eat more Popeyes. But anyway, before we get into the nitty-gritty of that, let's rewind the clock a little bit, because I mentioned at the top of the episode the last time we spoke was uh, just before Christmas. And uh, it's now literally two years have passed since then, because we are in 2022, and we are also now in the year Tiger, um, as I've mentioned. Uh, let's see. Since that time, we confirmed the signings of Lewis Morgan, Dylan Nealis, Zach Ryan, Jesus Castellano, um, and Jake LaCava, but also kind of not really because he's with the Tampa Bay Rowdies. We also had a whole bunch of draftees, uh, using all the GAM money that I think was supposed to be expiring slash used in the Sean Davis, um, extension that was otherwise going to be going and used. And from that, we got some really tall dude who likes to hang out in boats a lot. I forget his name. He's bald. He's tall. Matt, Matt Nosita. Nosita. 
Well, he's got no Sita on the first team bench. Ha ha ha! Got him. He is. He is. <laughs> he is so big. Like he's what he's like. How, how tall is he? Like six seven or something. Six like seven. That. Yeah. You know. I want to bring he, back the Peter Crouch chant that they had for him, right? You know, the bit, the big. He's big. He's red. His feet stick out of bed. No Sita. Yes. No Sita. Oh my gosh. <laughs> His highlights, it belies just how big he is because he does a lot of running and just <laughs> he just covers like 80 feet with at each step. Yeah, man. Like, what the fuck, man? I thought Sean Nealis was like a freak of nature, right? When he first came up, like six foot four, really, really fast on the ground. And then they signed this fucking guy from the Navy. It's just uh, <laughs> Dennis being like, you there, bring me the tallest lad you can find. Why, hello there, <laughs> sailor. <laughs> <laughs> Every week is going to be Fleet Week. Oh, God. Hell. <laughs> All right. I, I once was at the Hooters on Times Square, right? Because there are new people who really like the wings there for some reason. And it okay, was in the fine, middle of Fleet sure. Week. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a shit show, man. I don't go lie. Like, <laughs> just, just the most, like, just the most malevolent vibes in that restaurant. And all this oh, no. for we're just trying to crowd in the corner, just trying to eat some wings. But yeah, <laughs> couldn't even do that. Never again. I'm sorry. This is the real tragedy that should never be forgotten. Uh, <laughs> that being said, uh, that A side, that A side aside, um, I think we also signed the son of Antonis Nicopolitis, which is a big shout out to all the Greeks in the area. Uh, Euro 2004 legend. We always love to stand a gray-haired goalkeeper on this podcast, right? Between uh, Nicopolitis and uh, Santiago Canizares. Yes. Shout out to all the old heads who get that reference. Yes. Um, and I think uh, now, as we mentioned, uh, three more senior team signings on the way, it seems. Um, the impending arrivals of Tom Edwards, the... Kind of, but not as impending arrival of Lukinias, if the dirt sheets are to be believed. And uh, recent rumor, we're in for Irish center back, uh, Dara Lenehan. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Please don't car bomb my house, the IRA. <laughs> I hope. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, is like, it, it kind of picks up, right? I think um, European transfer window is closed, and now we can start bringing in a bit more of these uh, big impact signings right just because they have nowhere else that they have left to go and of course i mean uh it's an indication as always that the easier moves are going to happen earlier in the window right and will all be these uh will mostly be like relatively lower level signings or interleague trades even a big interleague trade like the one we got for lewis morgan and uh i think now usually you see more of the big money signings happening towards the end of a uh, preseason, right? Uh, late January, early Feb, usually when these guys will come in. Of course, I think uh, it's before we really discuss about what this means for the team in 2022, it's also worth noting some of uh, the big departures. Uh, chief among them, of course, uh, Sean Davis moving to Nashville because uh, he got a really nice view at a Predators hockey game, I guess. So uh, you can <laughs> have fun with that, Sean. Um, best of luck to you in Tennessee. Um, let's see. Danny Royer has also left us. Uh, I think this means that we do not have, well, actually, no, we still do have Austria in representation on the team in the form of Gerhard Schruber, but you know, I mean, uh, yeah. So I think, um, 
yeah, I think uh, someone who's been someone who's been a bit more loyal may or not may or not be throwing shade with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Has now left the team uh, because the team decided not to renew his contract. We still don't know where he's landed. So yeah, I mean, uh, best of luck finding a new club. Um, I think that's basically it for big departures. I mean, I don't really count Caden Clark because we knew about that beforehand. And anyway, I don't want to summon all these uh, USMNT pedo accounts into our mentions. So we will not <laughs> dwell on Caden Clark too much. Um, did, the, did the Kyle Duncan transfer happen before or after the last episode? I think it happened after. Yeah, so okay. he went to a... Oh, wait, no, no, no. It happened before because we were talking about Ustenda. Oh, right. right? And East then Enders, we had a yes. really okay. bad, really bad West End girls joke, I think, that yes. arrived from that. <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the last episode if you want to run down for that. Um, I also, oh, that reminds me, I think we also said goodbye to Fabio, who is now at Atletico oh, Mineiro yeah. and scored his first goal for the team recently. So good job, Fabs. Yes. Really cleaning up now. Um should be able to play a lot of games now because I think all of their strikers are the combined age of like their three remaining strikers is like a hundred years old. <laughs> Literally the only young striker on the team. <laughs> exactly. Between Fabio, who else? Wait, who else is there? It's Diego Costa and Hulk. Just like real heads know. Wait, you mean, wait, that Diego Costa, really? Yes, Diego Costa, yes. The elephant and, man. The elephant man. And what then, the fuck? Uh, <laughs> and... Right. So imagine imagine you're just a center back on another team and you see in front of you Diego Costa and and Hulk, just two giant guys. Jesus. <laughs> that's like that's like the twenty the twenty fourteen Well, we can't say twenty fourteen Brazil All Stars because Diego Costa is technically Spanish. Yes. What the fuck? Um <laughs> anyway. just getting just prepare to get like walloped in the face by when, when Hulk tries to like take a shot from way out. Oh man, he's like he's like a lightning rod for balls, I guess. But anyway, exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think that kind of does it for big departures, unless I'm like missing something. I mean, I don't really think the other players that were let go are really anything worth talking about, except for of course Yuba Diara, our our sweet Malian prince, with a uh, knees made of Swiss cheese but a heart of uh, a lion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> last I heard, he's on trial somewhere in Cadiz, I think it was. Anyway, um, yeah, I think, uh, we actually a lot of people dropped uh, during this off season, but yeah, not not too many have noted. I don't think really. Yeah, it was like either really like Drame, Egbo, Royer, Jorgensen, Duncan, Davis, Gutman, Edwards, who might come back, Clark, who cares, Diara, R.I.P., Fabio, R.I.P., and that's really it. Yeah, I think we've basically covered all the all the main yeah. bases, right? I mean, unless you're the kind of person who likes to, I don't know, hang out in transfer market twenty four seven. I don't think we're really going to be shedding too many tears over the likes of Manny Egbo and Matthias Jorgensen. Yeah. Um. So I think that brings us to the implications for the team this season, right? Having revealed all the activity that's uh, been going on and off. Uh, of course, I think. Uh, the key thing for us with the recent rumors, right, I think uh, bringing in yet another sort of hybrid attacking midfielder slash inverted winger, right, in Lukinias from Legia Warsaw. Warsaw. I don't, I, uh, you can correct my Polish if you want. Very sorry. Um, but 
yeah, from Legia, uh, basically implies to me that um, we are not going to be playing with a traditional central attacking midfielder per se this year, right? And I think on top of that, um, and I think on top of that, the key for us will mostly be that we are doubling down on this attacking scheme where we where I think the striker pulls stretches to field of play, right? And you'll have a bunch of attacking midfielders occupying that space in the middle, pushing in, either tucking in from out wide or pushing up through the middle to create options to be passed to in the center at the pitch, right? I think this was kind of a hallmark of uh, the Gerhard Struver barnsley sides, and I think his uh, work before that at Wolfsburger, right? Where the attacking midfielders will be shouldering a lot of the goal-scoring burden, off of a striker that stretches the field of play, right? And I think it's pretty key to note that that's why we brought in so many of these uh, hybrid attacking midfielders, last second striker types, right? Lewis Morgan can cut in from the right-hand side of the wing to occupy that space in the middle, for example. Lukinias is definitely another one who can do that on the left side, for example. Uh, they can slot in, I think, uh, of course, Omir Fernandez was a player in the team that could already do that. Right, and I think uh, the main thing is is that we are no longer be shoehorning two central midfielders into that wide role, right? And I think uh, that's going to be improving the team through reconfiguration, right? You're no longer putting players that don't play this position naturally, this role naturally, I should say. You're replacing them with players with skill sets that are a bit more complementary to that. So while Klimala with his fitness freak personalities can push out wide, chase long balls and the like, and stretch defenders, right? to open up space in the middle. These two tuck inside behind him to open up that space and give you great outlets in the center of the pitch. You know, and I think um, there's more fluidity in that involved as well, right? Because it can also mean that someone who's like a wide attacking outlet can streak on a long balls while Klimala and the other guy on the other side of the wing can like tuck in similarly, right? As soon as you have like three, a front three like that, that has those complementary roles, I think you're going to see a bit more intricate positional play the way that the team attacks this year, right? It's going to, A, look a lot more fluid. Two, you're going to be able to start a lot more of uh, the kinds of uh, space-stretching plays that I think uh, is a hallmark of a Struber side, like I mentioned, right? Stretch out wide, occupy in the center, overload the middle. And also, I think, um, and I think, C, I think it does have implications for our fullbacks as well, right? I think uh, we seem to be keen on having fullbacks that, while I think uh, they will be a wide outlet still, the emphasis will also be on trying to funnel players into the center at the pitch, right? And I think Edwards, I think, is especially key to that, right? You're not going to, I think um, Edwards being particularly key to that, sound that boundary setter, right? That Kamara Lawrence used to be, shepherding players into like the middle of the field, you know, by playing a little bit more withdrawn, you know? So. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, anybody else have anything to add as to what we may be expecting to see based on uh, the proposed activity this year? Or what are you most looking forward to this year, guys? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, in a way it's a little hard to, I feel it's a little hard to predict just because there was a little bit of volatility as far as like, you know, formation and even just general, you know, tactics last year. And on the attack, it was very, very iffy to say the least for a lot of last year and, you know, with new personnel and stuff. I don't know. I just feel like there's definitely some question marks, but I, 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 I do agree that you could, you could formulate a little bit of, of, of an idea of what they're looking to do. Um, 
I, it's interesting seeing the kind of guys they've, you know, they, they're apparently going after. Cause like you said, there's, there's not going to be like a, you know, quote unquote 10, that's going to kind of be, you know, be orchestrating things a little bit. It's going to be a little more, um, a little more dynamic and fluid in, in a lot of ways. I'm not quite sure it'll look like 2018 where the team played with, you know, two tens where Kaku and, and, uh, and what's his name would, you know, kind of tuck in a bit and whatnot. Oh, you mean but, the crypto uh, guy? <laughs> yeah. Florian Velo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the crypto so, freak. I mean, we, yeah. We, so we might see a bit of that. Um, I guess at that point, the question becomes, you know, who who are the two guys up front that, that end up being, you know, the two strikers and two, who are the two guys who tuck in as a quote unquote 210. So it's going to be interesting to see, I guess, who else they could potentially be looking at. And unfortunately, you don't really have much visibility to any uh, preseason games to start getting us at least somewhat of an idea of you know what to expect but um it's fun i i think i think a lot of the players that we've seen just kind of look at a tape and a guy like morgan who i mean we've, we've seen him in the league um i think fun might be the one of the better descriptions to uh, uh to kind of pin on on what we could be looking at i think the team might just simply be fun again yeah um i think originally what we were suspecting with or no, we were considering with with the with the Morgan signing originally because if you remember how he played at Miami, he was basically he played exclusively on the right hand side, but more as like a wing back in a formation that had like three center backs. And we're thinking if he was coming in as more of a replacement um, in sort of that right wing back spot, a replacement for Kyle Duncan, who would create more off the dribble. Um, but one, the fact that he's taking number ten, and I imagine that we're not going to be committing crimes against football by having letting this guy play at right wing back wearing that number. But also I think signing Lukinas, hopefully, um, as basically his compliment on the other uh, side of the field in that um in that half space spot. Because I don't think Lukinas all would would have played as a left wing back for Legia. I could be wrong, but I don't I don't see that he did that all that much at all. Maybe he did at one or two, but it's like you know what's funny is that he probably I think he occupies the maybe the same spot as what we imagined um sad Hoxabanovich to be mm. uh. um, but uh <laughs> yes but uh unf- he unfortunately for for us is that he is brazilian and is probably not going to play for that national team um and is not being courted by another team in like eastern europe <laughs> so i legia played a game today and he was not in the 18 i know that the rumblings were there already but if that does anything but yeah it's interesting that we, we, we've been taking guys. So I think the rumors with Lukinias and Tom Edwards and then uh, the Lenahan guy um, in combination with signing Dylan Nealis and uh, Morgan is sort of like the two-prong approach of like getting these unheralded signings from Europe, but then also like getting established MLS guys that can help us in the immediate guys who don't really have to get used to the league. Yeah, and I mean, I think with uh, that's a good point with regards to Dylan Nealis specifically, right? Because I think this seems to be, now that Edwards is coming back, more of a squad depth signing, right? And you're not going to squander money, let alone international slots and the like, to bring in like guys from overseas to basically be your backup right back, right? It doesn't make any fucking sense to do that. You know, and I think um, um, if it's a case where we'll be filling up the depth, right? as we've known over the years with uh, signees from Red Bull too, that kind of already know how this team wants to play and execute along with cheap domestic signings. 
I mean, that's more than enough you really need for your squad depth, right? I think um, the draft is obviously not as important. It has never really been that important. But if it's a, another additional way of bringing in players that can eventually be groomed to a degree to fill to fill depth positions, right? I mean, I think that's an easy way of making sure that you don't need to squander resources or replenish depth every season, or you're not spending those spots and fucking bin men, veteran, like South American castoffs from other teams. Like you're not trading three hundred thousand dollars worth of gam for sh- shit like Eric Rometty or whatever. <laughs> Like, <laughs> as one such example. Um, so I think um, in that sense, you know, I, I definitely agree on that front point, right? And uh, I think um, to draw it back to the, um, to uh, Lukinias particularly, right? Because I think this is going to be the big impact um, signing that people have been paying for. Um, not a lot of highlights out there. Interestingly enough, for someone who has apparently been uh, the biggest team in Poland's like best player over the last couple of years, but a lot, a lot to like, right? I mean, like here's a guy who has pretty good close control, right? I think uh, fun is a fun is a word that kind of gets abused nowadays, right? Where it's kind of taken on connotations of I don't know anything about this guy, but I'm gonna say he's fun <laughs> so I can know so I can sound like a know a thing or two about him, but in the cases of Morgan and Lukinias, I mean, it's kind of warranted, right? Because these are legitimately skillful players, right? Who have a good amount of ball skills on the ball. Lukinias, especially, right, in the way that he manages to knock the ball past his opponents and, like, that that one flip-flap, right, that he scored in that goal against, uh, isn't it Champions League? It was, like, Bodo Glimt, right? Bodo Glimt? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was so nasty, dude. <laughs> the, the, the sell on the feint is just, just, like, he sent the guy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he he sent that guy for a hot dog, so to say. That was fun. Like that and was legitimately quickly, like fun. step off the ball and just banged it in like FIFA. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah. Um, so hopefully, if he manages to do more of that for us in this kit, like I would most definitely be a fan. What I'm not a fan of, however, is wearing number eighty-two. <laughs> Yeah, I why, mean, why like, do we, we do this to ourselves, you guys? Like, we don't shit. know if he's gonna wear eighty-two, but like, just for the sake of what what squad numbers are open right now, and then we need to know what's available for him. They should give him number seven. Fuck you, Tom Edwards. <laughs> wear well, number think... two like a normal person. Yes. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> Monzon wears number two, but then Monzon could wear number three. Oh, wait, I, I thought guess. he was number three. Oh. Oh. Oh yeah, I guess he we is. We should give two, him though. the number three. Give Tom Edwards the two. Didn't give uh, Lupin yes the number seven. So, so what's open? So five is open, seven is open, five, six, seven are open. Man, wouldn't it be hilarious if he like, eleven him... is open if he wants to wear eleven? Wait, no, I thought uh, Morgan wears number eleven. No, no, he wears wait, no, Morgan 10, wears no. number ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, sorry, yes. sorry, sorry. Klimala has moved to number nine. From that's right, ten, that's right. like was... uh, like the great like like the great Ronaldo once did at Inter Milan. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of a one of the weirder ones at the off season for me, huh? Because I mean, I kind of just thought that Patrick was a uh, fine as being number ten on the roster, but I guess he really wants to be a big dick energy this year by being number yes. nine. So, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. One of the uh, more, I was going to say, like, it'd be hilarious if he gave Lukinias, like, number five, so he could just go on, like, a classic Galacticos Zidane, like, bend. Exactly. 
Give him the number 13 because he's like, I heard about this guy, Mike Grella. <laughs> like, <"Whoa." laughs> oh, okay. You know what's really going to like really, really set the world on fire? What? He demands number 14. Ooh, that's it. That, that, that number's open. He can that, do it if he wants to. That would be a really spicy meatball, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have to respect that if he did. Yeah. It also means that, like, uh, whenever we built the Henri statue in front of a Red Bull Arena, we're gonna have to like have a Lucinius figurine below, <laughs> <laughs> as is tradition with statues, you know. <laughs> you know, I'm honestly surprised that ever since we got into the business of retiring numbers, that we didn't put 14 in the rafters next to him. But that's a whole other can of uh, worms. In any way, retiring jerseys is kind of kind of lame in a soccer sense. Yeah, let's let's not do that. That includes AC Milan as well. By the way, don't at me. Um, exactly. <laughs> fuck what you think. If um, Gucci Yewu wanted to wear the number three, you should have. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna. <laughs> I think. I think that's gonna cause a few aneurysms hearing that. Uh, oh boy. This is racism against Italians. I'll have you know. But uh, oh boy. Sorry, Seth. But... Um, I don't think he listens to this podcast anymore anyway, but, um, that being said, we'll know for sure soon. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, that being said, um, I think, yeah, I think, um, let's circle back to the uh, back line for a bit, right? Because I think one of the understated rumors that have been floating around recently is a Blackburn Rovers captain. I believe he's the captain, right? Dara Linehan, who is apparently, uh, Free to sign a pre-contract, um, I think after the end of the year, like about after the winter window ends, right? And it seems that um, Rovers will be keen on cashing in on him if possible, so as to not lose him, uh, unless he feels like he can bounce around a Premier League team of where. And of course, I think uh, what colors this rumor specifically is the unfortunate uh, news that we lose Andres Reyes right for about four to six months, and we'll probably not be back. Um, probably not be back until I think about halfway through the season because of what was it? It was like a Jones fracture. I don't mean, I've yes, never heard of that. Something weird, yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, on I, the, it's on the bottom of the foot. So apparently it's uh, tough to come back from, but you know, I think a resident, I heard a bird on the word from our resident physiotherapist that this is the same injury that Zion Williamson had. So, uh, but fortunately uh, he's not, he's probably not as big as Zion Williamson. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and probably not. I don't know. Treated to as much gumbo, maybe. Well, I mean, they have other really delicious stews down there. Uh, yes, in Colombia. So you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is with the. Uh... Well, I don't know what it is with them and beans. Damn, <laughs> it's good, man. I tell you. <laughs> that being said, I think. Um... Yeah, it is kind of interesting to see us be in for like a 27-year-old center back now, right? Because I think, uh, you know, we are going to be playing effectively with four healthy center backs in the roster for the better part of the year. So off the top of my head, right, um, that would be Long, Nealis, um, Long, Nealis, Monzone, Edwards when he comes back, right? And... We seem to be a team that will bring out a three-man back line every now and then, yeah. right? So the big question mark for me is, is I think um, if we do go ahead and we sign an additional defender, 
right? I think uh, I've always thought that if we were interested in deploying three-man back lines, that you needed five center backs at the very least, right? In order to have a comfortable enough depth in this league on this roster with the limited roster spots that we have. And I think this fits the bill quite nicely, right? I mean, uh, this is a guy with, I think, over who has been with Rovers his whole career, I believe, or at least close to Yeah, him. played over like 200 games for them. I think he was on loan somewhere else, but he's pretty much been there the entire time. Yeah, and uh, 200 professional games, a few caps for Ireland, of course. Uh, playing in the Champo in the promotion run, which I think in this day and age, uh, you know, I think, especially of how many fucking games they play in the championship, right? It's a fucking meat grinder. Yeah. Kind of bodes well for how much physical punishment he's able to take, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, signing like that, you know, I think it really tips the hand to the fact that, you know, I mean, a five-man back line seems to be very much into cards again this year. Um, and we're going to need this kind of defensive depth, right? I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean, anytime you lose someone... I think like Andres Reyes for about four or six months. I mean, that kind of sucks, dude. I ain't gonna lie. Like he was probably our best defender in uh, stretches last year, right? Not just uh, from a defensive standpoint, but also like his goal scoring contributions. Like probably the most ferocious center back we have in terms of aerial presence. Kind of makes me wonder like what kind of workouts they were doing <laughs> at home that he fractured the bottom of his foot. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, really kind of bummed about that. So. Um, I think, of course, I think it's got natural implications for the status of one Aaron Long as well, right? I mean, I think um, coming back from Achilles heel injuries are kind of a big question mark. Um, I wouldn't say like he's cooked, but I mean, it is a major injury that he's coming back from. Uh, I don't know if uh, I, I, we haven't been able to see the team in action this season, right? In preseason, and anyway, like I mean, we're not going to be extrapolating fitness takes off of like preseason warmups. That's insane. If you're doing that, please get some help. Um, <laughs> but I think the key for us is is that you know we have to be wary of the fact that sometimes guys come back from injuries like this and they take a while to like really get up to full fitness again, even though he's had the whole off season to rehab and the like. But also, I think uh, you also you have to be mindful that sometimes they actually don't come back like in the same, uh, you know, with the same physical capabilities that they once had, and especially for a center back like Aaron Long, right, where that was pretty key because of the sheer amounts of ground he was able to cover and the like. Um, something to look out for, to or basically, um, going into the season. Bring in someone like uh, Daryl Linehan, right, who I think fits a relatively similar mold, right, really physical, um, Center back is capable of covering a lot of ground. I mean, like some of the blocks you see in his highlight reel and Y Scott are like, oh, holy shit, where did you come from? Yeah. You know, like some real, and I'm sorry for saying this name, John Terry shit. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he's telling me he's going to be selling NFTs or whatever the future version of that is I mean, in, in 15 years. I mean, who isn't <laughs> selling NFTs at this point, dude? I mean, like, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, this is the the part where I, I unfortunately mentioned that I do have a Florian Velo jersey in my closet that I am ashamed of now. <laughs> like <laughs> you didn't know at the time. Yeah, I didn't know at the time. He showed his true colors, unfortunately. I can't believe he's a cryptocurrency guy. Awful. 
just the worst people on the face of the planet. Um, very glad that he's gone, actually, because of that. So uh, we definitely won the trade in that one. Uh, won thanks. the trade. <laughs> but I guess on on the Lenihan point, it's so the rumors the rumors I've seen was us that we put in an offer for him, but then the other other offers I've seen were from Leeds and from Wolves. Basically, the other two Premier League teams most likely to sign a young Irish player. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I don't know. So is so apparently Aston Villa uh, also interested in him. And who? What else? Aston Villa. Uh, Aston yeah. Villa. Okay. Huh. Oh, he's twenty-seven okay. years old. Well, I mean, I guess it's like a it's like a defender in his prime, right? Right. And I guess like he's also I don't know how how keen he is on like becoming a, a fixture in the Irish national team. So I don't know. Yeah. A lot of question marks here um, with this with this one particularly, but I think uh, what will probably attract him to us if we are really in for this guy, I mean, is whether or not we can offer more money than he can get playing for a Premier League side. That in itself is kind of a giant question mark, right? That sounds like <laughs> DP money then, I guess, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, for someone like that, I feel like it would be worth, you know, dropping the money on a, on a DP, I would be less inclined to say that if if Reyes didn't get hurt, but losing Reyes for at least half the season, and I mean he's gonna take he's gonna need some time to come back himself, and then Long is still a bit of a question mark. Like I would feel like I would throw throw the bank at him. I don't care. Like throw that Red Bull money for for this guy. I'd be fine with that. I think it also is worth mentioning that we are sitting on like a mountain of time and gam, right? Like all this funny yeah. money that we have from all these. Uh from various sources over the last couple of years, it means that we can probably pay down that contract, but we can pay down the cap it quite a fair bit. Right. And I think, um, so I, I think it would depend. So like if they try to transfer him before, cause his contract is apparently up at, uh, in the summer. Mm-hmm. So if he agrees to like a pre-contract and just comes for free in the summer, you could totally just like drop a whole bunch of Tam on him. But if they end up putting, you know, putting out a transfer fee to get him now, it's probably gonna be tough because I can't imagine, I can't imagine um, them like the amount the the amount that would be needed for a transfer fee plus like wage. There's no way he would be able to dodge being a a DP. At least for now, right? Yeah, yeah. And then they what pay him down after the season ends or something? I don't know. That's, um, that's usually how it goes, right? So I, I think it depends. Uh, it, it really depends on what that what his like yearly total like hit would be because the way it works is they take like the transfer fee plus salary divide that across whatever i think it's just a guaranteed portion is and from there i mean if it makes sense financially to use a lot of you know a lot of tam then you could do it but if the if it's if it comes out to like two million dollars a year you're looking at you know what a, a million and a half a year basically an allocation money to make him a tam player that wouldn't be worth it so it really would depend on what like that total you know, that total impact, uh, yearly, you know, yearly divide would be. Right. Hmm. Okay. So. Yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> a party wonders if, if, if maybe they were, because it was at that, that's the, uh, that, uh, article that came out, a tweet that came out or whatever from what's his name, uh, Tom Bogart, I think, um, that the team got a bunch of offers for long, so I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they would have been a little more inclined to let him go if Reyes didn't happen and maybe uh, kind of just ride out to the summer. Yeah. 
you know, but and, with, I, and again, I mean, that throws a bit of a curveball. So who, who knows what they would want to do at this point? But I do think that that's the other thing that's worth pointing out, right? Because I think uh, being in for a defender like this is also, I think, a hint at how we're going to be looking to the future, right? And especially with a uh, future of how a backline without Aaron Long might look, because I think it is inevitable, right? In the next year, if not the year after, that Aaron Long is no longer part of this team. Well, is this his last year? It's got to be close to it. I no, I think that's like the big thing. I think this is, I'm pretty sure this is his last year. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the outlook that like he has one season left. He's got a World Cup year. He put himself in the shop window this year more than any other one. Yeah. So, so maybe they keep him, you know, let, let him see what happens, roll the dice with him until the summer. And, you know, maybe you sign a pre-contract for this guy. He comes in and then, I don't know, let, let Long do whatever fuck he wants to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I think that I think that's sort of like going to be one of the major developing storylines over uh, the course of the season, for sure. And uh, I mean, seeing as how he wants to go to Qatar, why you'd want to go to Qatar is anyone's guess. Otherwise, <laughs> but <laughs> he wants to go uh, for for the World Cup. I mean, uh, he's got that sort of like a carrot in the end of the stick, isn't he? Right. I mean, like he's not going to be in Greg Berhalter's team if he does not perform. Right. So at the very least, if he's playing for a World Cup spot, right, we have every right of reason, I think, to be holding on to him, give him a little bit of a chance to rebuild a little bit of value. And like you say, right, Zama comes along, he's playing well, uh, and we know that uh, we're probably not going to be keeping him around. I think it does, it is, would be pretty savvy, I think, to um, try and fish and get something for him. But moving him now, I think, is kind of a no-go, right? Seeing as hell, I mean, like, we're going to be playing basically four center backs to open the season. Whether or not we deploy a four-man backline as a result of that is another is anyone's guess. But, you know, I mean, at the very least, you have to keep him in the back of mind that we might be switching between four and five, right? So... Yeah, I think regardless, it makes sense for both parties. You know, for, for us, it makes sense, again, especially with Reyes uh, being out. It just makes sense to... You know, keep keep a guy like him. I mean, hopefully, yeah. even if he's, you know, 80, 90 percent of what he was at his best, that's he's still one of the best, you know, center backs in the league. Yeah, I mean, the fact that's that he doesn't caliber. play a super high aggressive line anymore probably makes it a little bit easier too. You know, he won't have to try back as much. He probably doesn't have to cover as much ground, um, and it works for him because you know, like you said, he wants he wants to go to guitar and going to some other God knows what random team and having to, you know, learn and adjust while also you know coming off the injury it's less of a likely you know less likely of a chance that he's gonna you know hit hit the ground running as opposed to just walking back into the lineup here yeah and of course i think um this is a good a side right to talk about um you know it being pivotal right that tom edwards comes back to a degree right uh because you know i mean like slotting into the right center back slash the right back spot on the team last year right i mean that's big that flexibility is huge, I would say, right? Especially uh, shit really hits the fan and we lose all our defenders again. again. I mean, having, having having a Swiss army knife like that, you know, I mean, uh, that can slot in a, a lot of positions across the team and give at the very least like competent minutes. I mean, that's, that's great. Yeah, sign me up for that. Like you basically solve a lot of your squad depth problems by having a guy like that. And I think that's one of the things that tends to go on uh it tends to get looked over for some reason when it comes to uh, analyzing the signing, particularly, you know, 
So, um, yeah, I mean, pretty happy that he's back in that sense, right? Uh, yeah, I feel like the back line is 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 easily the 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 best part going into the season. You know, the, the, defensively speaking, if you look at all the different numbers, I mean. The defensive side last year was one of the best in the league in the last 10 years. I mean, pretty comparable to 2018, as weird as the season was. But yeah. obviously, you know, there's been some changes. So there's always a chance that it may not be as good. But then I I guess if you take a step back and you think about it, there were a lot of changes during the course of the season in that back line. And yeah. still, they managed to really, really hold it down. So that gives me comfort because the way I look at it is, the level that the defensive side, you know, especially the back line played, I think really is attributed to just found fundamental, you know, ideas and tactics from Struber. You know, when you can, when you have that many injuries to the back line and you're, and for a while there, it was, it was, you know, musical chairs and they still held it down. That was easily the most reliable part of the, of, of, of the team. I feel like that bodes well and, and, and it definitely, Again, it gives me a little bit of faith that going into this season, although obviously the back lines will look a little bit different, it looked a little, it looked very different all across all of last season, and he still did well. So there's really no, I can't think of too many reasons to be like that worried that you know things are somehow going to you know suddenly collapse on that back line uh, for for this year. Yeah, I mean it's worth pointing out that it was the best defensive record in MLS last year, right? I mean. Uh... <laughs> I think I think because of how anemic our attack was, it unfortunately really, really uh, took a huge spotlight off how good yeah. the defensive side was. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I get so annoyed at some people who make it seem like we were just, you know, we barely squeaked by and like, you know, this team sucked last year. And yeah, there were there were some really shitty moments. And again, the attack was fucking awful for a multitude of reasons. But that should not take away from just how good the team was defensively. It was fucking incredible, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, and even yeah. then, like I think what to what Lens had pointed out in an episode last season is just like even even the team was un like even if we weren't scoring as many goals, it's just like Patrick Klamala was like I think he could speak to, it, but like he was like outperforming his what post shot xG. I think is that that was the he metric? he was uh, generating like league best like rates of pre shot xG, which means that he was getting in really good positions to uh, score goals, right? And was generating a lot of chances because of his like off ball ability. It's just when he actually struck the ball, right, that it kind of the wheels fell off a little bit. But it's also worth pointing out that the post shot xG like was such a humongous outlier. Right, it's like incredible at how big of a discrepancy it is. Um, that even the slightest correction towards the mean will be like at least three or four goals, <laughs> additional goals. Yeah. Right, for a guy who's already who like uh, already scored like seven in his debut season. I mean, a few of them were penalties, but nevertheless, like um, the numbers suggest that you know, with a team that can generate a steadier stream of chances right because i think we recall last year we only really had two or three big chances a game which isn't going to be good enough quite frankly to win consistently is why we were eking out so many one nil wins right a team that can generate a higher volume of chances for him to take will probably end up having quite a few of those turn into goals more often than not like so that's why I'm encouraged by the fact that we are making these attacking signings because it has that knock-on effect, right? 
one of the people that you want to compare him to in Tati Castellanos. Well, his pre-shot XG was also really good. And his post-shot XG was third worst in the league, I, th- I believe, according to some numbers. Right, Klimalas was the worst in the league. Jesus Castellanos was the third worst in the league, or at least top five, somewhere in there, right? Um, and he ended up with the golden boot. So, as yeah, a deal, it's actually about the number. <laughs> it's about generating a steady volume of chances, which we just simply couldn't do last year. Yeah, and I mean, look, eight goals and and, and seven assists in twenty nine games. It's not horrible either. I mean, for, especially now for a guy, you know, first. Uh, you know, first season, you know, for, yeah, first season in the league, and and the team has some some issues and you know transition and stuff like that. I mean, look, dude, there, there's plenty of guys who did it a lot worse than him, who cost a lot more and who had a, a lot more hype around his name. So people just need to, you know, people need to relax. I know, I know, I feel like to an extent, there's still people kind of like scarred or, or, or just struggling. I won't say scarred, struggling to adjust to a post Wright Phillips, you know, Red Bull fandom life. You know, and unfortunately, he set a massive bar. Like realistically, who who knows if we'll ever get someone who is just as as amazing as he was? But it, that's fine. You don't need someone, you know, twenty five goal scoring threat every every single season. Like it, it's fine. It, if 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 Patrick comes in and does, you know, seventeen to to twenty goals a season, that's really fucking good, and that's probably better than most strikers in the league anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's so, a bit arbitrary when it comes to those signifiers, right? Because what's the difference yeah, between a 19-goal striker and a 20-goal striker, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? Like, after a while, it's like, what, what, what are we arguing about here? Are we just really just putting errors <laughs> in production? Like, like, like a, a striker that can hit double, like, at least, like, 15 goals a season is already considered to be pretty fucking good, you know? And this is, I think, as you rightfully pointed out, is that we were literally spoilt by, like, one of the most prolific strikers in MLS history. Only guy, I think, uh, to what score twenty over goals in like three or four consecutive seasons or something crazy like that, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it was like literally unprecedented levels of production, you know. And and and, I, and and as much as you know, I love Brad, but like, did I think this was going to happen when he came? into like, no, like, no one thought. That yeah, he was no one did. Like, like <laughs> treating it after the fact, like we need a guy like Bradley Ray Phillips. Like, you didn't even know what a guy like Bradley Wright Phillips was bringing into the team. He, the guy, he was a trialist. I'm sorry. Yeah, like how, how many he names? And from... Mike, he and Mike Grella were both trialists. Like we were very fortunate enough to get into these, to get this guy. Like he scored more goals for this team than Thierry Henry. Like I'm like, what do you? Yeah. You know, I, I want to issue a challenge, right? If anybody can name me more than three players that played for Charlton Athletic between 2010 to 2014, like, Please let, let 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 me know in the dimensions, <laughs> and don't use Wikipedia, okay? So, I, I'm look, I'm <laughs> I can't at... even name like three players that played for Charlton in like their entire history. Yeah, you know, no. like I could what? Let me I think. Let me think. Off Did the top Lee Bowyer play there? Uh, no, wait, no, no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I do have three names, right? So uh, Jason Ewell, Lloyd Sam. Yes, Lloyd Sam did play for Charlton very early on okay. in his career. Oh yeah. And, I was um, about that. <laughs> And uh, let me think. I, I think Luke. I want to say Luke, Luke Young was there. Yeah, Luke Young. Um, so yeah, there you go. And these yeah. are like guys from when Charlton was in the Premier League, by the way. So, <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm looking at the uh, the numbers, uh, the expected goals, the expected goal difference, and um, yeah, uh, 
he had an expected goal of of 12.62 with on eight goals so he had a, a, a minus 5.5 uh difference what's funny though was number two was fabio <laughs> was yeah, I mean, oh, 2.88 um <laughs> but i mean and then you have someone chris uh christian Roldan. he's the, the fourth lowest i mean you know diego rossi 1.8 it's not it happens like what like what the fuck man yeah i mean just just yeah i mean that's the thing with variants sometimes you know season-long outliers can be kind of weird and damning like that but that's also why we don't okay i think we talk we're talking about numbers too much yeah, yeah. but episode. anyway i think so. <laughs> going in going into the season with Klamal, we have i think we have a clearer vision of how we want to deploy him and how we want to put him in the best positions um we don't have another striker to like experiment like we did last season i think yeah. we definitely have a plan and you know the plan could change but i feel like struber is good enough that or he's he's shown a capacity to like have a plan, and when the plan doesn't go quite well, uh, he can make adjustments on the fly to get the best out of his team, which says a lot because there are a lot of managers that sort of like stick to a particular formation and it doesn't work, and they keep trying to do it, and it still doesn't work. Despite well, it kind of <laughs> sounds like every Red Bull manager in history, huh? Ooh boy! Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and one thing I'll add too about about Patrick is, you know, a lot of strikers are opportunistic. Right. Anytime there's just shit kind of happening in front of goal, a good amount of the, their goals come from those moments. It's not always amazing goals of the you know goals that run a play. And if there was one thing that the team struggled in was creating those moments. There was yeah. there was so much so much nonsense once the team got into the final third. It really just didn't have a lot of like legitimately good quality moments in in a high enough volume. And like like you had mentioned. And one of the things that I, I, I've noticed probably just from watching this guy's footage, I keep forgetting his name, uh, Brazilian dude. Luquinhas. Um, what? Luquinhas. Luquinhas. There you go. Um, Little Lucas. Watching some video is like the the confidence he has in front of goal is really, really good. I, I The thing that, that really just jumps at me is he he doesn't seem to really ever take those annoying extra steps. To, to look for that, just like that perfect, perfect shot. If he just feels like he's got a good chance, he just, he just shoots, he takes it. You know, he, he shoots a shot. We don't see enough of that. We haven't seen enough of that in the last couple of years. And I feel like those are little important things because again, we didn't see a lot of those moments in the box for, for Patrick to kind of just like pounce on, you know, he's, there's only so much you could do. So kind of creating that chaos and and even if he's not scoring goals, just creating that, you know, a little bit of chaos in, in front of goal, someone like Patrick, you know, who's in a box and just a team in general who throws, you know, a lot of numbers in there, it creates these more dangerous moments where, you know, he, even just those moments alone, you might see two or three extra goals in a season. And that might be enough, you know, on top of all the other, you know, fundamentals that might change to, to really elevate his goal scoring for the year. I mean, you've seen his Instagram, right? And well, he's basically hit the gym like almost every single day. <laughs> he just awesome. like lives yeah. at RBA. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm sorry, I can never root against a guy like that. I mean, I think that's fucking rad, dude. Like he really, really wants to succeed here, and by all means, I hope he he does. Because uh, him scoring 20 goals this season is going to be the biggest boon that we could possibly get. So I'm I will utterly root for that best case scenario. Yeah, that incidents. kind of annoys me too. Like with some of the criticism, is is like you you want a fucking striker like that. Like he's, I I love Brad for a billion different reasons, but he really is the opposite of of how Patrick is. Like you know, he was BW who was super humble, very quiet. Patrick is just 
not that at all. Like he is very, very, very hungry, very vocal and, and, and just wanting to be, you know, this, this, this great high level striker for, and yeah, he may not have, you know, scored 20 goals last season, but I feel like any rational fan at the very least would tone some of the criticism down just out of respecting his desire to want to be good. Yeah. You know, not every player is going to be the absolute greatest, but as a fan, all you could ask for is the players to really just give it their all, just try to be the absolute best player they can possibly be. And if you're at least doing that, I mean, you may not be the best, but again, just clap. Thank you. And, and, and you're giving it at all. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I, I, I really agree with that, you know, I mean, I think um, you can't say he's not trying to put in the work, right. To be a gold machine for this team, right. The attention to fitness, the attention to, uh, keeping himself in good condition throughout the off season. I mean, I think that speaks levels about his level of professionalism, right? I mean, I think um, it will get it colored because of that. I think that one incident where he just kind of gave up on that ball that was going out of play that one game, but that shouldn't distract you from the fact that, I mean, the guy, I mean, just based on his off season work this year has really, no, really dedicated himself to wanting to come back in the best condition of his career, you know, and hopefully that translates now that he's got more help around him, you know? And I think just to close this one out, and I mean, a uh, little A-side, though, I think where you talk about strikers just being able to shoot and just, you know, capitalize the moments of chaos, I think that was kind of like the one of the cooler things about Fabio last year, right? Like all the shit that he would try. You know, I think uh, if we create more of those uh, entropic moments, right, where Guys will just be, well, the ball's kind of pinging around the box a little bit, and the guy's just going to fucking go for it. You know, I think that was something that was uh, decisively missing in attack last year, right? Like, uh, I was kind of annoyed at how uh, unchaotic we were in attack for a yeah. team that's supposed to be thriving on a controlled chaos, right? Yeah. So if we can restore a little bit of that back of our attacking additions this year, and like I said, it's going to be helped exponentially by the fact that we aren't shoehorning the likes of Christian Caceres Jr. and Caden Clark into those like wide attacking midfielder quote-unquote roles, right? We have more natural fits there. I think that's going to be a big boon to the way that we want to attack in this team. So, I mean, yeah, speaking... having a guy is more natural, like naturally fit for those roles or, or it's, it's going to be huge. Yeah. I think that's going to be, I think people, certain people are understating how important that's going to be. Yeah. Sure. Because it, because it also allows those players to now kind of, you know, they get to play in their more natural roles and, and be a little better. It's it's yeah. not just, you know, uh, improving on the attacking side by putting players who fit better in those roles, but it's also the guys who are kind of shoehorned there to change a bit and, and maybe, you know, going to kind of switch back to, to something that fits them more. So just as a whole, the chemistry kind of just changes. Yeah. I mean, I think last year, the only one that could really do that was Omir Fernandez, I would say. So I think, uh, you know, good, good, good holdover from last year. Hopefully, yeah. uh, Omir comes back and uh, say we'll contribute right off the bat. Um, does anybody else have anything they'd want to touch on momentarily, or should we just move on to the questions now? I think we're good. Yeah. Good. All right. Cool. All right. So first mailbag of the year. Thank you guys so much for sending a question. As always, we always appreciate the uh, contributions from all of you. So please, don't be shy. Send in the question whenever you want. First one coming from Pat. We have questions from the Pats today. 
First, Patrick Dowan asking, talking CBs, how soon can Long make an impact after coming back from that injury? Are we likely to see a back four to start the season with Reyes missing for the next several months? I wouldn't be surprised if we deploy a back four at some point. But like I said, I think um, Struber's hallmark is switching between back four and back five as he sees fit. Right. And I think um, for Aaron Long specifically, I mean, uh, Achilles are, Achilles injuries can be pretty nasty. Uh, he's had about a year to rehab. Hopefully, uh, you know, I think uh, that's contributed to it. Uh, should be encouraging that Greg Berhalter did bring him in for a quick runabout in USMNT camp uh, to get a little bit of fitness back. Um, and I think it's worth noting that he has had like a close to a year now, right? I think to rehab that leg. Hopefully he's able to hit the ground running. Um, yeah, and he's been running. He's been like literally running since what was it like October? I think it was or something. Rodell was at one game yeah. where someone had tweeted that he was, he was like, uh, he was doing sprints in a field. That was like early fall from what I remember. So he's yeah, probably, yeah. yeah so all that's not, missing is I don't even know if he played that. Did he play that scrimmage we had against whatever the over in wherever we were at in Florida? Or I don't know. The Florida or was one. No, we have no idea because the lineups weren't posted. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It could be like, that's all really that's missing, right? He's been back to training. He's back to running. He's, you know, that's all that's missing is like actual, like game experience. Yeah. And you know, it's, it is pretty interesting how apparently the team is being like, especially secretive this year in preseason camp. Well, of all, of all the players being shuttled around and vans and stuff like that, apparently. Uh, right, it's not yeah. like it's not like Toronto being like, "Oh, uh, Giovinco is back in training." What, yeah. what guys? Just can't, like, wait, guys, he's just he's just here for visiting. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I think Kamar Lawrence is gone now as well, right? So he's technically floating around about a club right about now. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd really take back Taxi Lawrence at this phase of his career. He seemed a bit cooked last year. Not gonna lie. Um, so just bringing up Toronto reminded me of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, unfortunately, uh, we can't really get a sense of how long it's going to look until uh, we get a actual preseason footage. And even then, like I said, right, it's just preseason. Like, it's games to get fitness and the like. So yeah, I wouldn't really I think... draw too many, like, definitive conclusions from whatever we do see in preseason. Yeah, calendar rolls around against San Jose is basically when it begins for me. But anyway, Fernando, you want to say something? Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. No, I was just going to say that. I mean, it's going to take a couple, even just two or three games. You're just seeing how he looks like not even so much, you know, as far as what he's doing on the field, more just does he look comfortable? You know, does he look comfortable going up in the air? Does he look comfortable running? Is, is, does he look, uh, is he wincing in the 70th minute after the first two games? Like little things like that is, I think going to be, the more important things to look at his form. I mean, I, he's probably gonna make some mistakes or whatever. I mean, he's, he hasn't played a competitive game in over a year at this point uh, or almost a year. So yeah. those things they'll come around. It's long. He's, he's proven. He doesn't need uh, as far as like his abilities, this it's, it's, you can't question it. The question is going to be looking at his body language, I think in the first couple of games. And I think that's going to be probably pretty telling as far as how, how he's going to, you know, make it for the rest of the season, I think. Oh, I think uh, it always comes to the body language stuff, right? I mean, even yeah. while the uh, transfer stuff was uh, flying over his head and everything, I mean, he still kind of put his head down and put in a shift. You know, I think uh, even though I think everybody was checking out towards the end of the Chris Harvest seasons, but I think, uh, you know, at the very least, 
uh, he was looking to have been restored to his uh, best around 2020 or so. Uh, oh, sorry, in the beginning of 2021, uh, when uh, under Schuber, right? Um, and of course, I mean, since he's playing for a sp- spot for a plane to Qatar, I mean, like, I don't really, I mean, if he really chooses to phone it in, <laughs> right? <laughs> this opening <laughs> season, I mean, like, that's that, that that would be like unbelievably stupid. So, um, at least, like we said, right? There's something on the line for him professionally that. I would be shocked if he didn't want to like at least show what he was capable of and make a case for Greg Halter to put him on the plane. Lord knows the U.S. men national team center back corpse right now is a bit of a shit show, but we are not a USMNT podcast. You can go to 7,000 other perverted accounts for your discourse on that team. You won't find it yes. here. Um, anyway, so I think that kind of uh, brings us to this question from Patrick Haddad. You can add one player from the David O'Leary Leeds teams to RBNY for this upcoming season. Who do you choose? So I think frame a reference here. These are the all-conquering Champions League caliber Leeds teams, right? They made the Champions League semifinals in 2000. uh, And basically before they imploded financially and were in the champo for like, I think, what, 16, 17 years? Leeds were legitimately like one of the biggest clubs in England. So these are like big time fucking players here. Right. Just to give a sample of the guys that we're talking about, this would be the likes of Rio Ferdinand, who went yes. on to become the most expensive center back in English football at the time when he moved to Manchester United for about 30 million pounds back in the day, which is huge. It would be the likes of Mark Viduca. This would be the likes of Alan Smith. Harry Kewell at one point was uh, one of the most. Uh, bright young players in the world, right? He had that big money move to Liverpool for a reason. And then his hamstrings decided to say no. <laughs> but it's also, you know, I think uh, much beloved players like uh, Nigel Martin and, uh, you know, I think uh, Lucas Radaby that we're talking about here. But um, I have a person in mind, but I want to open it up to the floor first. So, okay. Yeah, so I so I, I I opened it up a little bit because I know David O'Leary managed Leeds from 1998 to 2002, so that's four seasons, excluding the ones where they made the Champions League. So I, I looked at all the rosters and just picked out a bunch of names that I thought would be interesting. I didn't pick goalkeepers. I think we're set there. Yeah. I know Nigel Martin. I know Paul Robinson would be good shouts, but I think we're okay there. Starting from the back, like you said, Rio Ferdinand, a young Rio Ferdinand would be sensational in this roster. Yeah, on this man. team, um, <laughs> Jonathan Woodgate is also it's kind of a meme answer, but I feel like I feel hey, he like was that's good. Like a, he was good. He's a perfect. I feel like a perfect like redemption arc for him. He was, a, but he was a good Premier League, uh, Champo level player. Uh, and I guess Lucas Lu, Lucas Redebe, another one a guy that you mentioned. Just that's a fun. He was a captain of this Leeds team, but also captain of the South South African national team. Um, at left back, Ian Hart. That would be oh, a great, shit. Yeah. Oh, yes, man. <laughs> great. Not just, not just a solid left back choice. Irish lad can deliver great. One, uh, one, one of the stalwarts of those Ireland teams in the early 2000s. Exactly. Could whip that, in a cross, uh, got free kicks. 
they were, they were like the dark horses back then in the 2002 World Cup before the Saipan incident happened, and <laughs> Roy Keane exactly. told Mick McCarthy to stick the World Cup up his bollocks. <laughs> Fucking um, amazing story, you know. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm digressing. Uh, moving up further into the so center midfield, I have two center midfielders. We have David Batty. If you just want no nonsense mm-hmm. English. Yeah. Two foot tackles in the midfield in front of the back four. Or if you want a little more continental approach, Olivier Dacourt, huh? Mm-hmm, French, mm-hmm, tall, mm-hmm. bald, very classy. Um, Harry Kuehl, I mentioned. So you already talked about Harry Kuehl. Um, Alan Smith, another guy you mentioned, but also he could play at striker. But as as a referenced in his time at Man United, could also play in midfield if he needed to. Right? Which wasn't really recommended to, to Not me. Okay, like never having... mind. So <laughs> yeah. okay. he, he was definitely um, better as a striker. Super yes. aggressive okay, terrier up, striker, I should add. But further yeah. up the field, Mark Viduka, guys. Let's mention him. But if you loved Tim Cahill scoring goals for the New York Red Bulls, wait till you see Mark Viduka. <laughs> yeah. What an absolute baller. I want to give a little bit more context on Viduka for, I think, people who may not be too familiar with it. But I mean, like, this was uh, very much uh, in an era where Australia, like, was kind of a footballing backwater. Right, you didn't yeah, all these guys were like all these guys. Their career, like all the clubs, it was pre A League, so all the clubs were like profession. There were there were amateur clubs run yeah. by like community organizations, semi pro teams specifically playing in a pirate league uh, that was operated mostly by Croatian immigrants in the Western Sydney suburbs. Okay, so like this is about like <laughs> this is exactly. about as far off the map as you could possibly gotten and they produced quite a fair bit of like really really good players from those leagues right i mean the soccer the court the soccer roots team were had its basis in these pro-am leagues right very a lot of the very first australian players going abroad the likes of mark faduka the likes of harry kewell like they came from these pro-am leagues right and then on top of that you know no, I think I'd just to throw in a few other names in there for context, you know, you had Marco Bresciano. Yes, had, uh, Brett you know, Emerton. Brett Emerton, yeah, you know, like these Tim are... Tim Cahill. All the Australian players you heard of in, like, the early 2000s, like, they more or less came from this background, right? Which is why it was so unheralded at the time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it is it is a pretty cool era of Australian soccer. But uh, then Australian soccer died. um and now there's the a-league which is like the bizarro version of mls 2.0 yeah the the red-headed stepchild of uh the uh mls j league and uh, a league um upstart league triumvirate but anyway we don't need to go too much two names left uh two names left on this list uh funny enough robbie Keane played for david o'leary's leads just the cheat code just like because we know a guy who actually played in MLS and yeah. was wildly successful. <laughs> yeah. uh, last last name on this list, uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. Come on. Oh shit! He oh damn yeah. He played, he played. He played in one season. Chelsea, yeah. Yes, ninety eight, ninety nine. Twenty goals in those forty seven games that season. Let me tell you something. Between him and Tony Yaboa, Leeds had two guys who probably hit the ball harder than any other person in the history <laughs> of the world. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh my god. Oh, dude, like, I'm like a kid in the candy store right now. I mean, I already had my heart <laughs> set on one, but uh, Fernando, I know you weren't, like, super keen on, like, early 2000s Premier League soccer, but based on the player profiles that we just went through, how oh, about you take first pick? Oh, Jeezy. Robbie Keane. This is an easy is an easy answer why. All right. We, there's a long history of, like, really good European soccer players coming to MLS and just being garbage. 
Robbie Keane is not one of them. Yeah, let alone he's, this he's, is young Robbie proven, Keane. Well. I'll even go as far as to say that Robbie Keane is at at worst top two most underrated player in the history of the league. Absolutely, probably the, the best DP of all time. Yeah, disgusting. In fact, I think he's the only person who had a higher shot to goal success rate than BWP. Yeah, no, I and mean, it was like by a couple of percent. Like he was nasty, man. In all fairness, I think it's kind of uh, overlooked nowadays just how essential he was to like Dynasty Galaxy in the early 2010s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's seriously, I not enough people. Every time these these idiots uh, from MLS media talk about their stupid dumb little lists, the fact that he's never mentioned ever. Like I don't think I've if I if I fucking search Keen on any one of their like Twitter profiles, they probably haven't mentioned him in like five years. He's at least. The dude is he was so fucking good, man. No one talks about him enough. Nobody. Yeah, you know, it's 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 obscene to me, right, that Pity Martinez can get shit like being the best player in MLS before he's even kicked the ball and like you've literally yeah. had Robbie Keane right there scoring goals <laughs> for fun for like four or five years in Los Angeles and your most high profile team the league had seen at the time. Right? Just He won three cups and a shield. Come on, man. Yeah. That, that, that is a really fair fair case. And of course, like this is young Robbie Keane as well, right? Because I think everybody knows that once he moved on from Leeds, he went to Spurs and became a goal machine, right? Like him and Defoe scoring goals for fun, mid-2000 Spurs. Yeah. He went Look to Liverpool, but we don't talk about that. Yeah, we don't really. <laughs> 105 goals across all competitions and 42 assists in only 170 games. Yeah. Come on. Those numbers are unbelievable, man. Yeah. Uh, Juan, how about you? I think I think he sold me. I, I think I originally had Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, but I think we could be <laughs> sold on. I mean, I had Robbie. I think he was only loaned from Inter Milan, but yes, I think. Uh, no, no, no. He was he was loaned for like one season, and he stayed there for for the next season. Oh yeah, yeah. Word. Okay. Okay, so now I guess it's up to me then, yeah? And I'm going to zag where you guys have zigged because I think we're good at striker, fellas. I mean, like, we literally just talked about Patrick Klimala and now you want to replace him. Goodness gracious, (laughs) you lot are just so fucking petty. You guys are so fucking fickle. I can't believe I'm on the Red Bull Discussion Group podcast right now. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Um, When I look at the gaps in the team this year, right? I mean, I think it's been touched upon. I think uh, defender, goalkeeper, we're pretty set. And as tempting as it would be to say that I want Rio Ferdinand, you know, I think Rio Ferdinand would be the runner up here, right? I think we talk about a long contingency plan, right? And, uh, you know, if you had to build a back line of the future around young Rio Ferdinand, right? Like an English center back who could also play the ball a little bit, you know. Uh, so a little bit error prone at the early part of his career before he really fixes, uh, you know, his uh, concentration issues. But still, I mean, like guy of all the potential in the world, right? Like incredible man marker, really classy on the ball, could distribute a little bit. This was like one of the first, quote unquote, like modern center backs in the English game. Right, it was young Rio Ferdinand. Yeah. But what is the big gap on the team this year? Right? Between Lucinias, Morgan, we have the attack improved. But what we are missing, in my opinion, is a defensive midfielder. Right? And when I think about the talent that we have on hand, right, I think Drew Yearwood is good, is fine and everything. Casters will probably slot next to him and the other side of the defensive anchor. But if we had someone 
right? Who was a tenacious ball winner who could also play the ball, right? Hands down, the team, the person who would probably improve the team the most this year in a modern context, Olivier Daco. No question. Very nice. No question. I think it's the most position to need, right? You have somebody who can cover a ton of ground. And I mean, like, Dakor was very good at winning the ball back. You guys, like, this was a big ball-winning midfielder who could also, like, distribute. Like, you know that old mold of uh, box-to-box midfielders? Yeah. yeah. He was basically that. So, you know, I mean, I think um, we could have someone like that on the team. It'll improve the balance of it so much. And, you know, I think it's worth pointing out that when Dakor signed, right, he was a record signing for Leeds at the time, right? 7.5 million pounds, I believe, when they brought him over to, uh, when they brought him over. Like, this was a big time signing for him. And uh, earning caps around, like, for France around 2000, right? And for context, that's when France were, like, the undisputed best team in the world right yeah <laughs> like coming off the backs of winning the 98 world cup and then doing the repeat with euro 2000 i mean like this was a guy who managed to break into those sides you know that's the kind of quality that we're looking at here and when i match it out of the position in need combined with his profile and his skills right i think Dakota would be incredible in this team so that's just me fantasy booking so I think to break it down, I think uh, the final score was uh, Dakor 1 and two votes for Robbie Keane, uh, which means there's only one guy in this podcast who is right. So <laughs> <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, Checks off all the boxes. French, bald, kind of tall. Yeah. Uh, tenacious ball winner. I mean, I, I, I mean, we all love a player that like just fucking tries really, really hard, right? So you know, I mean, played for Roma in those like beautiful kappa kits with the sleeves that kind of went three quarters of the way down. Yeah. No, I mean, he was he he, he was the good shit. I I think uh you know I mean I really uh I really I I I, I really regret the fact that there are people out there who don't know like the whole lore of like dreading to go to Ellen Road. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, good, good stuff all around. I think that kind of does it for this episode. Yeah. So, um, I don't know, gents, anybody want to get some parting shots uh, before we leave today? Uh, anybody want to get a word in or two? No, I'm kind of excited for, you know, just excited for a season. Definitely excited for a season. Um, I think a good foundation was put down and, I like some of the moves that you know that they've made, and some of the ones that hopefully do come through, and yeah, see what happens this year. Yeah. Um, so I think um, basically this this will do it for this episode of Metro Fan TV. Um, when we'll speak to each other again, Lord only knows. I guess uh, when we actually get some preseason games in, some new signings in, maybe new developments happen that warrants an emergency podcast episode. Uh, that's when you'll hear from us. But remember, we do have Major League Soccer coming up on us at the end of the month. Uh, we start the season on the road in San Jose. So uh, if we don't hear from us before that, we'll probably speak to you right there and then. But uh, for now, on behalf of Fernando Gonzalez and Juan Escalante, this is Lens saying good night. Drive home safely. If you're listening to this in your car, I don't know where and when you're listening to this, but 
remember kids friends don't let friends uh make listicles that say teams become the ix of mls before a ball <laughs> is even kicked uh, <laughs> Robbie Keane innocent um, 26 plus 6 equals 1 Shin Fein <laughs> Chucky Arla um, up the IRA good night <laughs> bye we're gonna play football We're gonna play football, 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 all around the world. We're talking about football.